0: It's time for the How It Works podcast, sponsored by TheAcousticEscape.com, an internet radio station designed to fit your mood, playing all genres, all eras, all acoustic. When you want to escape the noise and the nonsense, listen to TheAcousticEscape.com. Now, let's learn how it works with your host, Oliver Cordell kennedy
1: Welcome to the very first road trip episode of How It Works. We've put together a number of our favorite episodes that you can listen to while on a road trip. This episode will range from one hour to an hour and a half. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy it. We will also have an episode on something that you can do during your road trip. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another episode of How It Works. And today we are back with um, Todd Kennedy. Hi. And today we're going to be talking about something that can be fun for the coronavirus. Um, It is called geocaching. It's a free um, app. So just uh, if you go on your app store or play store, just download any of those apps, there are tons of them. And then um, and after you download the app, you can sign up and it's basically like a little scavenger hunt throughout your city, but it is also worldwide. So it is all around the world, except for countries that prohibit GPS devices. Um, and so yeah, it's a really fun thing on your phone Um, You log your find, and um, yeah, that's just kind of like mainly what you do on it, but we're going to be kind of talking about like behind the scenes, that kind of stuff, like what we usually do.
0: Yeah, and just to be clear, it's a geocache, G-E-O-C-A-C-H-E, and that's what you can search your app store for. There are lot of different apps uh that do this
1: yeah um but the best one is probably the very first one that will pop up on either of them so um how many times have you gone geocaching todd
0: uh i'm kind of a newbie to geocaching i've probably in the last year i've only been doing it for about a year but we've probably gone out a handful of times Maybe maybe six or so.
1: Yeah. So I have been doing geocaches, and you can actually hide your own geocaches. But during the coronavirus pandemic, they are putting a hold to hiding your own geocache. Now there are um, obviously a couple of guidelines that you must follow to um, you that you have to follow to do these. Uh, to hide a geocache. So um, pretty much the main one is that you cannot have it too close to another one. Um, so you cannot have it too close. And when you hide your cache at all, um, you need to have a phone or you know a GPS device to get the exact coordinates of it so that people will be able to navigate there. And so, like I just said, you need to. It needs to be a certain distance, and there are different um, there are different sizes of the containers. So there's a micro.
0: Yeah, there's a micro, which is the very small container, and then I don't know what they call the other ones. It might depend on the app, but you can have medium size and large size.
1: Yeah, so there. so there's micro, which is um, that's about as long or like short. It's shorter than your pinky finger. So those are pretty small. Um, so yeah, those are micro. Then there is also just a small size, which is um, a little bit bigger than a uh, than a mouse pad on a keyboard. Um, so yeah, that's Uh, that's micro and small now there is also a large which is about the size of your keyboard or something like that and yeah um I think there's something called like an x large and those ones can be like like there are some geocaches that are taller than people so there are literally life-size geocaches so there's this one phone booth geocache it's a really it's supposed to be one of the best ones like in geocaching um and that one you have to do you have to do a simon says but it like it's really 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 hard simon says and um i forget the theme of it but it was pretty cool watching that video of it um Have you seen any, like, cool videos or, like, cool cash container ideas?
0: Well, why don't we talk about the last cash that we found? Remember the one with the penny?
1: Oh, yeah. So, um, we found one just a couple of days ago, and it was, there were two pennies right next to a park sign. That one was really cool. So, um, actually, um, our six-year-old spotted those pennies, and I had actually been reading in the comments. So, the comments in the logs are definitely just, like, extra little hints to help you out. And there were a couple reviews of pennies, and they said, I wonder if this is, like, part of it. So, I saw the first penny, and it was just, like, a trail of, like, two or three pennies, Leading to this last one, so I pulled the last one up, but it was actually glued to like a little tiny container that goes in the ground. So that one, that one was really cool, but it was also super, super hard.
0: Yeah, we looked forever, and then I was about ready to give up, and then, and then uh, Genevieve saw that there were, loose pennies laying on the ground.
1: A.K.A. Our six but year old.
0: One of them was a penny, and then the other one was actually. The lid to the geocache container which was stuck in the ground so very creative i also saw one i remember that it was in a tree it was in a pine tree actually and there were pine cones all attached to the tree and one of those cones was actually fake and and attached to that pine cone was a very small geocache container i thought that was creative
1: Yeah, so there are really, really creative caches out there. There are, um, I was looking on the shop today, there is a gum, like a geocache that literally looks like a chewed and spit out like piece of gum. And um, the magnet on that one, I like read like, I don't know, seven reviews that said the magnet was not very good on that one. So, yeah, that, that's definitely a downside to that one. So there's also these phone box ones where it gives you a certain code to type in on the description, and then you type it in, and it pops out. So geocaching is basically, you know, like based on what we've been telling you, you can probably figure out that it's a treasure hunt. And um, people of all ages do this, so it ranges from about, you know, after like like four to I don't know let say like forty you know, anybody 40, 50 year olds. Yeah. anybody
0: who can who can get outside yeah. and move around in some way yeah. uh, can participate. yeah, it's for really for anybody.
1: It's definitely hard to do it on a wheelchair, but there are some like caches that are specifically for people on wheelchairs. And so they're like really easy ones where like the person in the wheelchair can just like you know wheel up to it pick it off pick it up off the ground or something and easily replace it so the there are a couple of those ones those ones are definitely pretty pretty nice for people with disabilities Mm -hmm. and another guideline that i actually didn't follow and i got an email today Um, it said, they said, hey, sorry, but your cash couldn't be submitted because, um, apparently you cannot do them on the little, like, little towers, um, with the power lines on top of them, so that was kind of frustrating because we hit it there, like, a while ago, we're waiting forever for someone to get back and finally they got back and they're like sorry your cache is in the wrong place so you know some people can get pretty annoyed by that and um, you know you just have to keep trying to hide it because yeah
0: yeah I'd say if you want to get into geocaching just start out and download the app and then just go out and try to find a couple geocaches, and if you really get into it, then you you might be interested in trying to hide your own geocaches, and there's a kind of an application process you have to go through where you hide your first geocache, and then you get online and ask for a more experienced kind of a moderator type of person to find it, and then once you're approved, then you'll be able to hide other geocaches and get more involved in it that's kind of the stage that we're at we're trying to get approved and we've failed a couple times so we'll just keep trying
1: yeah i've definitely failed at a number of caches some of them just aren't even there anymore but i have gone through many caches really hard really easy some i've literally just you know walked up to the area and found in like less than two minutes so yeah um That is really just kind of what geocaching is. I think it's a really fun thing that everyone who is interested in, like, little treasure hunts should do. Oh, and we actually forgot one, like, we forgot a little thing about them. So when you actually do find the cache, what is inside them? Like, you probably thought, like, you just go find, like, a box and then there's nothing in them, so... Yeah, what, what is in them? So, um, there are like toys. It, it's toys um, that are in them. So, you know, just little magnets, erasers, um, I don't know, like clay figures, just a bunch of that stuff. And there's also a logbook in there. So, that's just basically a little piece of paper um, that you, that like cashers write their name on or you know their little like username team name whatever um and the date and so yeah that that's pretty much all about geocaching and um yeah thank you for listening yeah thank you and we'll see you again soon we hope you enjoyed that episode time for the next one Hello, testing, one, two, three, one, two, three. That is what a microphone sounds like. And to be able to record something, you need a microphone. Well, today's episode, we are going to be talking about a microphone, which, well, I'm using right here, right now. So as I am speaking into this microphone, my voice is carried through the air into the microphone and when it goes into the microphone my voice basically turns into well a very very small electrical current and the and it the electrical current goes through and it goes through the microphone, through the cord, and goes to your computer. Then it turns back into, well, then it turns into a file. And that, you know, the file that you use to, well, you know, publish your podcast episode, like I'm doing right now. So, this, um, like I just said, this, one, this um, episode is about microphones, And so, you may be wondering, when was the microphone invented? Well, it was actually invented in 1877, but it was also invented by a couple of different people. So, one of the people that it was invented by was Emily Berliner. Another person was James Edward Macchio West. West. And there was another one that Thomas Edison Edison, invented. He invented a carbon microphone. that were used in all telephones. The very old telephones. Um, and so, yeah, they were invented by a couple of those people. So let's actually get into, like, you know, what, what it looks like inside of a microphone. So my voice gets carried and it hits a little, you know, just a little, well, um, I'm not sure, plastic or metal piece that's kind of inside of the microphone. Then it goes through there. It goes through these little edges and hits this little coil inside the microphone. Now, this is all inside the round or curved part of the microphone, so well, it's all in this part that I am touching, which is well, what actually like is the microphone part. And so it goes from there, and like I said earlier, it travels into, it turns into an electrical current. So my voice flies in there, passes through those things, hits the hits that little coil which then kind of turns it. So like um, it's like it bakes my voice, kind of like you're baking bread, you're baking bread and then, you know, or like you're baking dough and then it turns into bread or a cookie. So my voice is being turned into an electrical current right now. So as I'm speaking, My voice is going in, going through the cord, and into the computer. Then your computer stores your voice. So it stores everything that you have been, you know, like, saying. So um, yeah, that's kind of how, you know, that's mainly like the basics on microphones. And so we'll get back into more of the advanced part right after I have a quick break. Hey, and um, welcome back, everyone. So Um, there are a lot of different kinds of microphones. So like I said earlier, there was that carbon microphone that was used, um, for the old telephones, the, um, the wall telephones, um, way back when. And so, um, yeah, so there are multiple different kinds of microphones, but some of them, (laughs) are really really bad some of them are like terrible so there is let's see there are a couple phones that like phones and computers and you know just other devices phones computers and tablets and some of them have really really bad microphones um so for example, I have a computer. It's an HP computer, and I recorded something on it, and it sounded really bad. So yeah, there are so many, so many different kinds of, you know, microphones. And um, so the one I'm using right now is actually it's like a actual good one. It's a nice microphone. And um, a lot of the ones that are actually not like hidden away in your cell phone or computer are like, are definitely a lot better than, you know, the ones that are hidden away in your cell phone or computer. So, um, let me um, show you one that was in someone's computer. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Time for the next one. Welcome back to the third episode of How It Works, and today we're going to be talking about how do people get your emails and spam them to you? And we're also going to be talking about how people get your phone numbers as well. So, one of the ways people can get your Gmail or Yahoo account is they can go to a website or they can just search in like safari or google chrome and they'll just search in random emails and they can go to any website and that'll just give them a list of emails that they can look up but how do those websites get the emails you may be asking well the websites can pay they can pay Gmail or Yahoo or you know any of those other email services, and so um, yeah, they can pay those uh, companies to give them the emails so that they can provide them for people. If you um, if you you have an email, they just buy your email and then they can post it on their website and so once posted on their website random people can go to that website and then access your email and many others so um, and a way that people can um, get your telephone number well we'll get back to that just after a quick break okay so we are back from our break and now I wanted to tell you how do people get your phone numbers well it's kind of the same with emails they can buy your phone number or you know email from um, well they can just buy them from any place that knows your um, phone number and so your phone number um, if you have a phone number, your phone number you may think is pretty private and no one can access it, but that's very untrue. If you fill out a sign up sheet or a random e- like if you go to a random, um, website and they're like, what's your phone number and what's your email? and you give them your phone number and email well then they can actually sell your phone number and your email to any company that wants it and will pay money for it and so you can fill up these sign up sheets really anywhere and um a way that you can stop getting uh, spams from random websites that you um, go to and fill out your email um, you can go to 10minutemail.com, and then if you are not sure if a website is actually completely legitimate, and you do not want your email getting spammed, well, you can go to 10minutemail.com, and they will give you a very random email. So it might be like, you know, seven five, nine eight b six five um at you know something like that dot com and so then they give you this email address and you can sign up for really anything and if it's like i like we want um a confirmation code then it will the 10 minute mail if you go back to that page then i mean you'll get an email with the confirmation code and they'll show that to you so that you don't have to get your email spammed at all so i hope all of you enjoyed today's episode on how do people get my phone number and email so yeah that's that's about it for today's episode thank you for listening please favorite this podcast and i hope to see you all again soon We hope you enjoyed that episode. Time for the next one. Welcome back to How It Works. And today we're going to be talking about NFC and RFID technology and examples of what you can do with it. We're also going to be talking about the history of NFC technology. And here we have today my co-host Todd Kennedy.
0: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the the history of RFID and NFC. Uh, NFC stands for Near Field Communications, and that's actually a subset of the broader RFID. RFID is just the process of uh, uniquely identifying items using radio waves. And NFC is a subset within that in that uh, NFC is basically high frequency RFID. They operated 13.56 megahertz, and that allows NFC devices to communicate peer to peer. Um, But the history of RFID is is pretty long. It was actually invented in 1948 by Harry Stockman, and as you can imagine, the technology back then probably looked a lot different than the technology looks today. Um, In 2010, Nokia released the C7 phone that was actually the first phone that had NFC technology and then in 2014 uh, the iPhone 6 was released and that supported NFC technology and actually by the time the iPhone 6 was released there had already been a lot of Android devices that had NFC. Uh, These days um, I believe most phones have uh, NFC certainly every major manufacturer makes uh, various phones that have NFC technology. There are some cheaper phones that don't have it enabled uh, for whatever reason, but these days NFC is ubiquitous. It's pretty much everywhere.
1: And now we're going to be talking about what you can actually do with this NFC and RFID technology. So one of the things that you can do is if you have Hue, Philips Hue lights, you can actually set up a little NFC card or sticker and you can place that anywhere you want and when you put your phone, if it is enabled with the NFC technology, you can place that right next to the sticker and then there will be a shortcut where it allows you to turn off, turn on, or set a specific scene or setting. On the lights when you tap it onto there and another thing you can do with it is well you can have the card um, enable a Wi-Fi connection to any devices who as well have NFC technology and you can have those people download a an app that allows them to scan that card, and then they will be automatically connected to your Wi Fi connection.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could pretty much use uh, NFC cards and your phone to do just about anything that your phone can do by itself, especially with these really cool shortcuts. Um, another thing you can do is you can, for example, you can just select a text message. Um, so if you're constantly texting somebody the same thing, like, hey, I'm on my way, you could just Uh, create a a NFC card and and um, link that to a shortcut on your phone so that you just basically tap your phone against the card and it will send that text message to the person um, automatically. So it can save a a lot of time.
1: You can actually get these cards off of Amazon. You can get about like a hundred of them for twenty dollars or less and So yeah, those are really the things that you can do with it if you have a Nintendo Switch or have ever heard of these Amiibo cards that go with it. The the Amiibo cards, they are pretty, pretty expensive, but you can get them if you have a Nintendo Switch and use them to give you um, characters and items and other things in games that are compatible with it.
0: Uh, you can also use it um, without a phone. Uh, for example, you can use it uh, to connect to locks, to lock a drawer or unlock a drawer. Um, we actually recently purchased a lock and just put it in a drawer, and when you close the drawer, it just automatically locks, um, and you just you can take your NFC card and hold it right up to the drawer, and uh, it'll unlock, just like, a, you know, some people call this fobs. Um, but, uh, it's now available for you to use. Um, and, um, it's, it's, it's super easy and pretty cheap to get these, those kinds of things these days.
1: And that is about it for today's episode. I hope all of you enjoyed it. So please give any comments, um, on what we could do better and please subscribe. Um, thank you for listening to us today. Good Bye. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Time for the next one. And welcome to today's episode um, of How It Works. This one, we will be talking about a motherboard, the thing that goes in a computer and actually is the centerpiece of your computer. So recently I took a old Lenovo computer apart and I am sitting here with a motherboard and it seems very, very, very complicated. And um, it's amazing how people have come up with technologies like this. So if you look into your it's a computer on the sides that has all the things where you plug in the cord that allows it to have power, the USB cords, all of that. And that actually, is, that those plug into the motherboard, which then allows, well, it allows all of the con- all the parts of your computer to um, receive power and you know, kind of talk with uh, with each other. And the first motherboards held very few actual components. The first IBM PC motherboard had only one processor and card slots. Users plugged in components like floppy drive controllers and memory into the slots. So if you if you take apart your own computer and Uh, and you get the motherboard you can see that there are so many numbers on there here let me read one out Q4622PQ30A so those are just two examples of the hundreds and hundreds of numbers there are on there and why the numbers are on there is so that um, if you send your computer or like a motherboard to get fixed The um, computer specialist can actually look in to the motherboard and see what everything is. So if I was looking at the if I was a computer specialist looking at a something called the QC4, then I would look into a book or a website or, you know, just any manual and see what that meant so that I could fix it and see what it actually was. And so motherboards are very, very complicated. And um, well, there are many different little tiny, tiny little like drives smaller than like your pinky, like your pinky. And um, I'm not sure how um, scientists came up with this. Now you can also plug battery, you put the these little mini batteries into them. So if you wanna look this one up, this is the one that I had in mind, the CR-2032. So I looked that up to see what it was and it turns out, yes, it was a battery. And so that that is just one of the many, many like things on a computer. And actually this part that I'm about to talk about Actually, is not about motherboards, but it is about like how the um, screen in the computer works. So I took the so I took the computer apart, and I also took the screen apart too. I applied off the case, pried off the um, case for the screen, and took out these little sheets. So they're actually little, just like tiny plastic sheets that you know they fit the size of the screen and so it's basically the size of paper but like there's basically paper plastic sheets and then there's also the actual glass part which you can use to make a smart mirror where um I can maybe talk about that in a different episode but you can use those to make smart mirrors so that is pretty much all um you know, for today's, well, for this segment. So, um, I'm going to pause, have a little break, and I'll be right back. Hello, and welcome back to How It Works, the podcast. And today's episode is about motherboards. So, we already talked about, um, We already talked about what the numbers on them mean. We talked about how you can make a smart mirror and what the inside of a computer looks like. Now, just like almost every episode, we are going to tell you um, when it was invented. So allow us to do that. So when the, the very first motherboard was invented in 1981... The first motherboard uh, was actually called a breadboard. It's funny. Um, Yeah, so it was called a planner. A planner, planner, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. um, Or a breadboard. It was invented by IBM and sold on its first personal computer, um, you know, PC, um, in 1981. So, yeah. Um, that is when it was invented. It was invented by, um, IBM. So, yeah, IBM, let's see what it is. IBM is an international business machines corporation. Um, it comes from America, and it looks like their CEO is Arvind Christina. Um, yeah. And their headquarters is in Armonk, New York. So yeah, that tells us a little bit about what IBM is. I was completely curious about what that is. Um, so yeah, that is what IBM is. I hope um, that you like that information so um we already talked about how motherboards you know the usb plugs in there but where does it go when after like where does it go after you plug in your like your usb cord so after it does that imagine that the motherboard is a little city like a little technology city full of little tiny alien people. And so when you plug in, let's say that the USB is basically an airport. So when you plug in that little USB cord airplane, um, it comes it plugs that in and then those little alien people go pick up their luggage and go on the highway. And they can move around to where they need to go. So let's say you need, let's say that they're, is a little alien person who needs to go to, mm, let's say they need to go to the file area. So they want to go, so they're just going to go to their little house. They go to the little file um, place in the motherboard, and then that um, transfers it to the screen. So it's really, really complicated. Again, I think it is so very amazing how scientists actually could invent this. So, um, yeah, there are, as like we said in the last segment, there are there are like thousands and thousands and thousands of tiny little individual, um, I don't know, little just like tiny pieces in the actual motherboard. Now that is a really really crazy thing they're all welded on it's it's really amazing so when we took this computer apart, we also found the actual battery part of it and for the battery is like in different places for almost every computer um so the battery for us was in the very back um of the computer so we had to take that out before um or like we had to take that out before messing with any electrical stuff, otherwise we could get shocked. So you probably want to do that too and find where the battery is before you mess with any electrical stuff. Otherwise you might turn into a little cartoon skeleton. So that is how those things, that's how the little things are transferred up from your computer like from there to the computer screen so there are little wires from the computer screen that connect to the motherboard so I'm looking at my computer right now so let's say there so there's a little screen right in there and I in that screen there are little sheets and pieces, uh, or just like, it's basically just a glass screen. So like, it's basically a mirror with sheets behind it. Might sound pretty crazy how people actually did that with just sheets, a motherboard, and a little mirror. So um, if you are planning on doing a mirror with that, You know, just a little side piece of information. Uh, Note that it will not be like a regular mirror. It will be completely black. So, you know, when you turn your computer off, um, you see a black screen and you can see your reflection. So that's how it's going to look like. Not clear and like that. Okay, so they plug in, so then let's say the people, the file people, they're like, okay, I want to show the owner of this computer my file. So then that file person is going to go, that little file alien, is going to go from the little file house, and then they're going to go up that little, they're going to go through the highway and go up into the, they're going to go, Up into the computer screen and um, do you want me to tell you how long this takes well let me tell you it takes less than one second for all for this entire process to happen sounds really crazy but true so this entire process happens in just a couple of milliseconds and so yeah it's crazy how fast these highways are they must have well, race cars. So, um, so yeah, the, that's basically how they work. They go on the airplane. They plug in through the with the airplane. They go through the city to the little file place. Place their file in there, and then there's a the little other alien who takes that and you know just races on up to the computer screen to show you the files, like pictures, musics, or videos. Um Yeah, so this, motherboards and just computers, fo- like phones, computers, and technology alone is a really, really crazy thing. And I think it is amazing how scientists have figured out how to make electricity and motherboards, but... You know, we always just think of, like, like you know, light switches or computers or phones or tablets as just, like, an everyday thing. We just, like, you know, walk in your house, you flip on the switch. But before that, you had to walk in your house, use, like, sticks or something to light a candle to actually get illumination in your house. Otherwise, you were doomed. So... Um, technology is a crazy, crazy thing, and um, that's basically the base of this podcast: technology, um, mechanics, and those, you know, those kinds of things. Smart homes like Alexa, and oh, sorry, Alexa, quiet. Okay, like Alexa and <laughs> Google Home, and you know, all of those all of those crazy things. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode um, of How It Works. Please listen to um, that acoustic escape. Um, it It is some really nice music in there. So, again, please do that. Thank you so much. And until the next one, keep on listening. We hope that you enjoyed that road trip episode. I hope that you are satisfied with this, and we hope to see you again soon. Oh, also, if you would like to be the one who gives us the idea for a new episode, we would love that. Please send us an email at invented25 at gmail.com. Again, that's invented25 at gmail.com. I will put that in the link as well as our Facebook page and our sponsor, The Acoustic Escape. Hope you go check them out. Thanks
0: for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of How It Works, the podcast that tells the backstory about the things we might use every day. Join us next time for another episode of How It Works with your host, Oliver Cordell Kennedy.